welcome to Best Laid Plans, Episode 4. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things planning, from the tools we love to use to the techniques we love to use with them. Welcome back. If you've enjoyed the prior episodes, um, this episode is going to be a little bit different from the format we were using before because I actually have a guest today. I'm very excited. My plan is to do one guest monthly. Maybe in the future I could see increasing the frequency, but for now, this seems like the right, I don't know, dash of new voice to add to this podcast so that I can expose everyone to different methods, philosophies, and tools that I've never tried, but now I'm motivated to give a try. So I'm so excited to introduce Beth in just a couple of moments. Before I do that, I want to mention that for those of you who are interested in exploring the Hobonichi line of products, and by the way, this podcast is in no way sponsored by Hobonichi, maybe someday, but I kind of doubt it. Um, <laughs> they are a, you know, a very Japanese company and, you know, that, that has not been an option. So this is all just my own glowing love for their products and the company. So if you are interested in looking at what they're offering for the year 2021, if you could use a distraction from 2020 and want to spend time planning next year's system, like I know I already do, uh, they have been indulging us all in showing a daily preview on their website of kind of what their new offerings will be for the new year. If you aren't familiar, they do release new covers each year as well as new accessories, and they kind of have a big celebration of opening their store every September for that next year's planner books. So this year, the store is going to open, I believe there's like a staggered opening September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, depending on which product you're interested in. Uh, They have not announced any new major lines, but it does sound like they have spiffed up everything they're offering as usual and will be offering a wide variety of covers as usual as well. And one thing that I'm very excited about is this year, they always send a freebie, okay, if you order directly from them. And the freebies have been really random over the years. (laughs) Um, One year, it was like this little silver statue of a bear reading a book. And another year, it was a plastic plate that looked like a piece of toast that I have since put in my kid's play kitchen and it still lives there today. But this year, the freebie is going to be a very practical item to use with your Hobonichi, which is going to be a brush pen. And I am so excited about this. I am excited to find out if it's a good brush pen and, you know, how it works with the Hobonichi paper. I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that it's magically not going to smear on their paper. Um, But you know what's cool? I have plenty of 2020 unused Hobonichi pages that I could practice and play with before I have to worry about marring my brand new 2021, which I'm pretty sure I am going to order because I just can't help myself. Anyway, so that is news for any of you interested in ordering from them. Now, their website is, uh, they have a Japanese one and a completely translated English one. And if you just search for Hobonichi 2021, it will take you to the preview page and you should be able to peruse what they are showing so far. And again, the shop won't actually open until September 1st, but you can enjoy browsing and thinking about what you might like to use among their offerings. So that is my fun planner related news for the day. And now without further ado, we will get into the fun interview with Beth. Well, I'm so excited to welcome Beth Cubbage to the show. Beth, did I pronounce your name right? You did. 
Oh, wow. Okay, good. Well, that's always good karma to begin with. I'm so excited to have you as my very first guest. I made a big list of guests that I wanted to have on the show. And let me tell you, it's pretty long. So hopefully this show will survive (laughs) for a while. But you came to mind because I actually think you do a lot of planning and you're very into it, but you have very different techniques than I do. So I felt that there was a lot that you could bring to the table, especially to hear about some of your kind of digital hybrid methods. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody kind of basically what you do, and maybe a little introduction to your basic standard planning methods. All right. Thank you. I am very excited to be a guest on on your podcast. I've been listening to your voice for a long time, of course, on Best of Both Worlds, so I'm happy to be here. Um, I am by day a consulting manager at a large software company. So we do mostly analytical modeling and data analysis for our customers. And so I run a team of eight people now. And so obviously there's a lot of logistics involved and keeping track of projects and people and what everybody is doing. So a lot of my planning philosophy actually comes from things that I implemented at work and I found work really well at home. Uh, So at home, I have a husband and two kids. Uh, My kids are now six and eight. And so they're just getting into the elementary school phase where they have lots of activities and things to keep track of at school. And so I've really found that my my planning needs to encompass work and home all at the same time. And so I also have a blog on the side called Parent Lightly, and it started out as kind of a parenting and sort of everything working moms blog. And I really noticed that what I like to write about is creative approaches to planning and simplifying life and just creating structures that allow parents to really be present both at work and when they're at home with their families. Yes, you definitely lean into organizing topics I have noticed on your blog, even though I'm sure there is lots more that you could get into as well. Well, the first question I have, um, because you just mentioned, you know, your work stuff and your life stuff, and there's a lot of, you know, debate. Do you want two completely separate systems? Do you want them to be all in one? How do you handle that? Do you mesh them together? I do try to keep them in sync as much as possible. So I've found that life leads into work and work leads into life. And so there's always a kid's doctor's appointment during the day, uh, during the workday, or there's a work happy hour at night. There used to be work happy hours at night. And so I really find that my system has to encompass both. Otherwise, we get confused and we miss things. And so what I do is I rely really heavily on my digital calendars. And so my Outlook calendar is my work a calendar of record. And so anything that happens during the workday or anything work-related pretty much goes on there. And then I have a Google calendar for all my home stuff. And what I do is I'll send invitations in between my calendar, my work calendar, my home calendar, my husband's work calendar, and my husband's home calendar. And it seems complicated, but really it's not hard to just add a bunch of uh, email addresses to the invite. And that way we really keep track of what's happening holistically throughout the week. So 
your outlook gets pulled to your Google? Cause I always, you know, it's like, which is your sort of main one, which everything gets pulled to, is that kind of how you function? Cause for me, I use the Apple that pulls both outlook and Google calendar actually. So it's like a tertiary source, but I feel like I'm not super satisfied with that method. So which, what pulls to what is my question? Yeah. So I actually don't have them sync. I just send a meeting invite when I feel like it needs to be on my on my personal calendar. So if I have a doctor's appointment during the workday, for example, what I'll do is I'll create a calendar invite in my work calendar and I'll just add my Google email address. And so that way it appears on both and it's all it's all there because I never figured out this thing. And I have I have Android phones and so I don't use Apple stuff. So that might that might change things. But that's the system I found work the best for me. And I know other people like Cozy and other apps that integrate it for you, but I found this is simple and free. Yes, there has already been a request for a cozy deep dive, which is probably going to result in me having to try it at some point. So yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, and then with your partner, do you give him an invite as well? So he sees what he needs to see and does he use Google Calendar that way? It, yeah, he uses it the same way. So he has Outlook for work, Google Calendar for home. And so when it's something he needs to see, I'll just add him as well. Okay. Do you use a paper planner at all to plan your days? Oh, I love this question. So you inspired me. I have for years resisted a paper planner. I have tried and tried and never found one that I liked. So this year, I actually tried the full focus planner, the Michael Hyatt and Company planner. And I think you actually mentioned it first on your blog and I'd heard them on a podcast as well. And I really liked his daughter, uh, Megan Hyatt Miller. I really thought she made a very compelling case for the planner and how to use it. And I, for years, I struggled with the concept of translating my work, my digital calendar to paper. That just didn't, it wasn't worth my time because I spend most of my day in meetings typically as a consultant. And so I wasn't going to spend 30 minutes every day writing down all my meetings on a paper planner. And so what I do instead is I use the full focus planner to really track my tasks. And so I like that it has, you list your tasks, but then you have your daily top three your weekly top three, and then your quarterly goals. And so I use that for my goal tracking and my task list. And I I don't tend to put any meetings in there unless I need to block time for, for certain tasks. And so that's how I blend the two. And I really like that because it keeps me on track and it keeps me from getting overwhelmed because I think you've mentioned this before too, that if you have a really long to-do list, you're just you just kind of panic and don't get anything done. Um, So I really have to focus. So I really like taking those three things, especially right now during COVID. I feel like if I can get those three things done, then I'm doing great. Yeah, I feel like the full focus is incredibly pandemic friendly, actually, because it really forces you to just zoom in on like priorities and very defined amounts of time, um, like the day, for example. And it actually, I found it good for meeting notes because there is that big generous page on the right that you could just fill up with whatever you want. So if you did feel like a meeting was worth putting something onto paper to remember something that was helpful. Yeah, I jumped into that like initially at the beginning of the pandemic. And I definitely, for somebody that doesn't, because I agree, it's not a great calendar system. So if you are really happy with your digital calendar planning, but just want a place to focus yourself and are not interested in creating your own layouts with a bullet journal, a full focus is a great idea. I'm so glad that you like it. I do. Well, the other item that is unique to your use, and I don't, you haven't mentioned it yet, so I don't know if you're continuing to use it, is the Rocket Book. 
Can you go into this? I, I'm like really skeptical about it in part because I'm such a paper snob that the idea of writing on this like weird paper-ish substance turns me very off, but sell me on the rocket book. Okay. I do still use it. I, I feel lost if I, I don't have it. So I I really like, well, let me describe what it is. So in case you're not familiar with it, a rocket book is called a, they call it a smart notebook. And it's really not that complicated. So basically it is, uh, it has erasable pages and it's similar to writing on a I feel like it's similar to a dry erase board almost in the way it feels. It's not as annoying as you might think. And do you have to use, like, I'm, I'm very obsessed with the surface here because before you get into the details, do you have to use a special kind of pen? You do. You have to use a Pilot Friction pen, which is, it's an erasable pen. It does have an eraser, but to clean the rocket book, you just erase it with water and a uh, microfiber cloth. Now, you're, do I remember correctly that you're left-handed? I am, and I hate smudging things. It so, might drive you nuts because yeah, I do Pilot feel like it have needs, never been my friends. <laughs> no, I don't think you would like it because it does take a minute. It's not long, but it takes a couple of seconds to dry. You don't want to turn the page right away because it will smudge a little bit. So I, I feel like that might be annoying to you. But it's I don't mind it. I'm right-handed. So for me, it's not bad. And what you do is you have an app on your phone, and you just take a – it takes a screenshot of the page and then you can upload a digital copy of the notes to the cloud. So you can upload to Google Drive or to OneDrive, OneNote, uh, Dropbox, Slack. They have a long list. You can also email notes, which is cool. So if you go to a meeting and you have to email somebody the notes, you can do that. I think you can set up up to six destinations in the app. And so I really like it because, again, I like my digital system. So for me, sometimes I work in the office, sometimes I work from home, sometimes I'm traveling to a customer site, and I need I need to have the notes wherever I am. And so I can't haul a bunch of notebooks around. And so I really like having everything organized digitally. So that's why I, I really like it. And then you can just, when you fill up the notebook, you just erase the pages and reuse it again. And, and it has held up really well. I've been using mine for three years now, I think. And it's still it's still good. The surface of the pages is still working just fine. I do like the no waste part of it. That's right. really cool. Mm -hmm. Does it upload it in digital format? So like if you're writing in it with your handwriting, is it turning it into characters like on the computer? It's typically uploading it either, either as a PDF or a, uh, an image file. They do have some handwriting character recognition, but I think right now it only works on titles. So it will translate your title into text, digital text, but it, it isn't going to translate the entire thing. Although they may now have that functionality for emails. I, I haven't tried it out, but I think they've been working on that functionality. But for the most part, I just upload it uh, as a PDF and I can see, so I see the screen capture of the notes, but I don't get a transcript of it. Got it. To me, I'm sort of still trying to figure out how that's better than just like if you wanted to take a picture of your notebook, <laughs> then you can upload that. But yeah. I, the reusable aspect is really cool. And and it is true, like, you know, how many like half used notebooks do many of us have lying around? How cool would it be to just be able to start fresh at any time by just erasing it all? I, I do all. love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I mean, I've heard people say that too, about just take a picture and upload it. And it's just a little more streamlined. So for me, it's a little bit faster. They have a little button that you press and it just sends it automatically to uh, the destination that you pick. So for me, that added added streamlining of the upload process is, is worth it. 
and I, I like it. I don't think I would ever just, you know, upload. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Prep Dish. If you're headed into a busy spring, and aren't we all, I definitely think it's worth taking a look at what Prep Dish has to offer. I personally have been using Prep Dish for years now to plan our family's meals. It is truly so much easier and better than what I could come up with on my own. Every Friday, I receive a new weekly meal plan straight to my inbox. This includes an ingredient list, a prep plan, and all the recipes you need for the week. There are separate plans for gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super-fast. And now they've even added a protein boost option. For years, we've been using the super-fast menu as a scaffold for our weekly dinner plans. I love that I can easily make adaptations or substitutions if I need to, but also the recipes are genuinely really well thought out and truly taste great. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to check it out. So this is a great way to see if the plans will work for you. Check out PrepDish.com plans for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com plans for your first two weeks free. If you try it, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Separately from my from my uh, computer, from my phone to my computer, but because I have the app, it's easier to do. No, that makes sense. Okay, well, very cool. I'll be interested in hearing from others if they're in love with the Rocket Booker. I know it has a couple of competitors. Yeah. Now, the next thing I want you to delve into, because I've had people ask about it, is the Kanban method, which I'm assuming you got into at work. Is that correct? I did. Yes, I actually started using it at work um, a couple of years ago. We had this super intense project with, I think, five or six consultants working on it. And we had all of these tasks we had to do and it was just getting it was getting impossible to track. And so I did a bunch of research. I had never heard of this before, actually. And I found this uh, system. I don't know how to pronounce it, actually. I've asked a bunch of people. I say Kanban, but I don't know if that's right. So. Basically, it was actually developed originally in a manufacturing uh, plant to track the the movement of materials through the manufacturing process. But in, I think, the 90s, it was translated a bit to software development work. And so that's how I came across it. So it's considered a kind of a variant of an agile methodology where you're doing continuous development and you're trying to track 
how tasks flow through a process. And so I started using it at work and it's really simple. And I thought, you know, kids could probably do this because it's very simple. And so what it is, is essentially you, you divide a process into a couple buckets. So the simplest process would be, you have a list of things to do, you have a list of things that you're working on, that you're doing, and then you have a list of things that are done. And so in the simplest application, you can do this for kids' chores, right? So you could say, this week you have to you know, sweep, you have to make your bed, and you have to clean the bathroom or something. And so you could start out the week with all of those things in the to-do column, and as they finish them, as they work on them, they can move them to doing, and then they could move them to done when they're finished. And so I'd actually been doing something similar for a while with the kids, but but learning about the Kanban philosophy helped me to structure it a little bit more. And so the kids can keep track of that. Even, even pretty little kids can keep track of a basic to-do and done. And it helps me see what they've done without constantly hounding them because everybody knows. Everybody knows what is there to do and what still needs to be done. So I remember reading on your blog about using the Kanban method for school, especially now that many of us are trying to organize managing our kids' schoolwork from home. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my kids did virtual school this spring, as I think did most people, and it took us a couple of weeks to get the hang of it. And both of my kids had a set of tasks that they had to do throughout the week with no specific day or time that they needed to be done. And so what we did was we created a Kanban board for the kids' schoolwork using a file folder and a bunch of post-it notes. So it's very, very simple to create. And what we did was we had a set of daily tasks that they had to do, like I think they had to do typing practice every day and this a couple of apps for school and reading. And then we had a, a section for weekly tasks. So those were the things that they had to do a few each day, but they had to finish them by the end of the week. And so each day they would pick some tasks to do, all of their daily tasks and then some subset of their weekly tasks, and they would move those to the to-do section of their folder. And so that was their list for the day. And then as they completed each of those tasks, they would move them from the to-do section to the done section of the folder. And I have a whole long blog post that goes through the whole process of this, but it's, it's actually pretty simple once you get the hang of it. And so that was really, really nice for us because we had uh, my husband me and then we actually had a family friend helping with the schooling as well and so it really helped the adults to see what was happening each day and what the kids had to do and what they had left for the week and so we found that was a really stress-free way to manage the kids uh, schoolwork virtually and i feel like it's so much it's very concrete for kids to like be able to just see this post-it note moving and i guess you could do a to-do list but then you'd be writing the same thing out over and over again and i also feel like it would get messy for the little ones so i love that that's great yeah. they they seem to find it very satisfying to move the post-it notes from to do to done and they had very strong opinions about the color scheme which i think helped make them more motivated <laughs> You're like, great. <laughs> I love oh, it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, um, people are always asking me, like, when do you do your planning? Like, when, you know, what are your planning, your ride or die planning rituals? <laughs> so I am pretty minimalist. Honestly, I feel like I could do better in this area, probably. I know a lot of people like to plan on Sunday, for example, before the craziness of the week begins. But for me, 
I really make a mental break between weekend and week. And so typically I do all my planning in the morning, uh, starting on Monday and then each morning throughout the week, each each um, weekday. So before I start working, I'll sit down with my coffee and my water and I'll just go through my full focus planner and transfer all my tasks for the week or the day. And then I'll also look at my calendar for the day and for the week and see if I need to readjust anything. So I typically try to do that about 8 or 8.30 before my meetings start in at 9. And so that has seemed to work pretty well while I've been working from home. I do strongly resist planning weekends. <laughs> I know a lot of people like to do that, a lot of people. And I don't. I would much prefer to just just wing it. So that's what I do. I know the Full Focus Planner has a weekend section and I just leave that totally blank. The weekend optimizer, I believe. Yeah, they're very formal about it, actually, in that particular planner. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I don't. I, my optimal weekend is sitting on the couch with a coffee and not having to go anywhere. So <laughs> that's, that's what I do. And, and maybe, a, maybe a hike because I've seen you. I've seen some lovely hiking photos as well. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. So that's what I do. I do feel like maybe I could look a little bit further ahead because there is some value, I think, in on Friday, for example, looking at the next week and seeing what's coming up and seeing if you need to make any more advanced plans. So I've been trying to do better about that and look a bit ahead on Friday afternoon as well, just to preview what's coming up. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap this up with a love of the week, although I realize I didn't warn you, so maybe I'll have to give mine first. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I think planning themed love of the weeks are the best. And half the time on my other podcasts, my love of the weeks are planning related anyway. So I figured I might as well bring this lovely tradition. It's kind of a, you know, gratitude exercise um, to the best laid plans. My love of the week is a pen that many of you are probably already familiar with, but I felt like it deserved its moment to shine anyway. And that is the Pilot G2 Retractable Gel Pen. I like the 05 size. It writes really well on many types of paper, although not all types of paper find it a little bit too smear prone in the Hobonichi. But in many other things, it works fantastically. It's nice and sharp, and they usually um, last a long time, which is an added bonus. All right, well, Beth, we've had three false starts now with Squadcast, so I've given you lots of time to come up with an amazing love of the week, so I'm excited to hear yours. Thank goodness. I do also love that pen. I it, I use it on my full focus planner, and it works really well. So my love of the week is the old school desk planners with the calendar. I really like those for planning big time-based projects. I used it for my dissertation defense planning and now I'm using it for moving. And so I get the big planner with the huge calendar page and I tear off the pages and I put them on the wall or on the back of a door or something. And it makes it really easy to see what's coming up, what the important dates are, what I have to be planning for. And I just really like seeing everything all together because if you look at a typical calendar, you only see the one month and that is not enough for me. I like to see kind of three months out what's going on. So that is my love of the week. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm very excited. You got to be our very first guest and listeners can look forward to more guests in the future with all different types of planning methods. Beth, um, just tell everybody where they can find you uh, in the interspace. 
They can find me at parentlately.com. That's where everything is. And if you're interested in any of the things we talked about around Kanban for School or Rocketbook, you can go there and just search and find a lot more detail. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Well, that was so much fun. I feel like I learned so much. I finally understand exactly what the Rocket Book is and why people are into it, although I don't think I'm going to be ordering one yet. I will keep an open mind. And I'm also very excited to learn a little bit more about um, how she uses Kanban because I do think this might be a great thing to teach my eight-year-old who will be doing virtual third grade. And I think this might be a really cool way for her to visualize her tasks for the day. So yay, that was awesome. My next guest, spoiler alert, is the owner of a sticker company. That's all I'm going to mention so far. And she, well, okay, I'll say one more thing. She has some other more exciting items coming out. And she's going to be my guest for September, so you can look forward to that. However, since I do a QA and a uh, segment on my other podcast or the other podcast that I co-host, you know, that one's not all mine. I co-host it with Laura Vanderkam, and it's called Best of Both Worlds, if you're interested in checking that out. Anyway, um, we always do a question of the week, and you guys were amazing and sent me so many questions. And next week, I will be doing an all Q&A episode, but I figured why not give you a little preview and answer a couple of questions today. I really like this one I got in my email today. Okay. It says, Hi, Sarah. I'm excited for this podcast. I have a question. I have done various iterations of GTD and have always felt better when I can do a weekly review on Friday. But right now, I cannot figure out where it can go in my life. I'm a physician, mix of clinical and research, and on Friday, I have morning clinic followed by a bunch of meetings out of my control. By the time I'm done, I want to finish my notes and go home, not do planning. She mentions that the rest of her non-clinical work week is unpredictable based on when they have research participants, so she only has a couple of blocks of time, but they vary from week to week, are prone to get eaten up by crises. Oh, I hear that. And they're also her only deep work time, so she's sort of reluctant to use those for planning. She mentions, I can't get up early because we are in a tiny apartment for the next several months, meaning there is no real place I can get up that won't wake up my kids or husband. Weekends are tough because our kids are four and two. So the only real downtime is if they both agree to nap simultaneously. I've tried evenings, but I'm grumpy and tired by then. So for now, I've been trying to do a monthly review when I can and then working off those lists for the month, but I feel like there are a lot of loose ends that are getting missed. Do you have suggestions for spreading out the weekly review process so it can get done in 15 minute chunks? Well, yes, definitely. Well, first of all, I, I would I would make sure there's no way you could do at least one slightly bigger block of time. Just because you mentioned like Friday having clinic followed by a bunch of meetings. Is there any way you could salvage even like a 20 or 30 minute block? And I totally understand if you can't, but especially now that a lot of us are doing these meetings virtually, just a little snippet or even if there's any way there's one day that you could head into week early, maybe on Fridays when you have clinic, if you could work that out with your partner and maybe uh, it's always good to offer the same thing in return, like, hey, honey, how about you go to work early on Thursdays and I go on Friday or whatever it is. And I, I do feel like planning is something that is very hard to do at the end of the day. I think that planning can actually be kind of deep work. Like I think it, I think that... I think there's more mental energy involved in planning than people want to give it credit for. 
And I also have found, at least in my life, that it does pay off dividends in terms of prioritizing my time and productivity later on. So you may want to experiment to see if there's any way you can salvage a bigger block. Um, And again, my two suggestions would be starting work slightly earlier one morning or looking for some sneaky 20 or 30 minutes. You know, you could always put it in your calendar as some cryptic meeting if somebody else is scheduling your time, but they see that you have like, you know, some <laughs> ambiguously named meeting from 140 to 210, then they would know to leave that that slot empty and you could use it. But the other thing you could do is, you know, my weekly review process, you can make your own that's basically checklist based so that each task in the review only takes, you know, 10, 15 minutes and you could check those off. Um, maybe make a little uh, like a, a sheet in your planner um, or on the side of, of a weekly spread, perhaps, where you actually check off um, those bits of the weekly review because there's no rule that says it has to be done all at once. You could go through emails on Tuesday and on Wednesdays, you could look ahead at the next week's childcare schedule. And on Thursdays, you could meal plan for the next week, etc. So there's absolutely no rule that it has to be done all in one sitting. And so those are the two strategies I would look at. A, sneaking some time because it really could be a priority for you, um, or at least experiment to see whether that's worth it. Or B, create your own weekly review checklist and then spread those tasks out throughout the week. I have one more question that's very timely right now. I know not everybody listening to this podcast is a parent, but if you are, or if you are going back to school yourself, a lot of people have asked for recommendations for organizing their kids' school routines, especially if they have multiple kids doing multiple responsibilities. And this is especially important for those, you know, younger kids. Obviously, if you have an eighth grader, well, actually, I don't really know. I don't have an eighth grader. <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll dis- be disappointed to find out that, that you do need to monitor your eighth grade's uh, assignments. But I'm sort of hoping that by the time you get at least to high school, it's going to be your own kid's responsibility to organize their stuff. But for the young kids doing virtual school right now, I mean, no, no first grader is going to be able to accurately track uh, what they are supposed to do. And so you may want to come up with a system that is designed to make it easy and fun. And so the Kanban system that was mentioned sounds awesome for tracking like what you have to do for the day or for the week. But if you also want some sort of planner component, the brand that I've been really impressed with their offerings in this realm is Plum Paper. So again, not a sponsor. I've just been noticing on Instagram, they have a lot of dedicated school options and they're very customizable. Their weekly layouts come in these little boxes and you could easily dedicate like a box to each kid or even a whole planner into a box to each subject or each responsibility that your child um, is going to have. And it may be worth waiting. You know, I know it's so tempting to want to get all your planning tools in place before the start of something, but you may actually do better letting school start and then ordering, especially if it can ship pretty quickly, because then you can design something perfectly tuned to what you really need. All right. Well, those were a taste of what the Q&A episode might be like for next week. Um, Please keep the questions coming. You definitely have time. I am collecting them all. So even if you don't hear them right away, you may hear them on a future episode. I love to answer them. I love to crowdsource and see if my planner friends can come up with ideas when I can't. So yes, keep them coming. So, oh, one more announcement. The show notes are now um, pretty easy to find on my blog. If you click the button called Best Laid Plans that's on there, it has the same icon as the podcast, scroll all the way down, and there are links to full show notes at the bottom that are basically linked to that week's blog post. One thing I haven't done yet is link a bunch of products 
It's a little complicated because you definitely can't do affiliate links in a blog post, but I may make a separate list. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, so right now though, you can find lots of pictures and additional notes if you just um, go to my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, and then click on the best laid plans icon. I also post to Instagram every week and I can be found at at shoebox, S-H-U-B-O-X underscore plans, as well as at the shoebox, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next Monday with a new all Q&A episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.